You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Those that do not have their names written in the book of life will stand before this great white throne and be judged. Cain will be there. The record I read, Cain rejected the grace of God. Cain, the first murderer. Cain killed his brother Abel. He'll stand before the throne. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, another watery grave that will give up the dead. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, as the Red Sea buried them, They'll stand before this great white throne. Perhaps you think if you just ignore God's existence, He'll do the same with you. That ignorance may feel like bliss as you jump from pleasure to pleasure, living a life that serves self. But that feeling is short-lived. As Pastor Danny continues to lead us through our study of Revelation, we're reminded of what's to come for the living and the dead. Those who are in Christ have already been judged and deemed righteous, but those who are not will face judgment for their sinful deeds. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, as he begins his message, The Great White Throne of Judgment. Revelation chapter 20. The book of the Revelation in summary is the revelation of Jesus Christ and it deals primarily with a seven year period of time yet future called the great tribulation. After the great tribulation, Jesus comes back, sets up his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. We as believers rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And then after the thousand years, God creates new heavens and a new earth. And those that are redeemed will have the privilege of an eternity in paradise, really. Forever and ever and ever. But between the thousand-year reign and the new heavens and the new earth, there is a judgment. It's heavy. That's where we are today. Chapter 20, John the Apostle, as he sees these things and God reveals these things to him, verse 11 of chapter 20, John says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. That's interesting. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. And then death and hell were thrown 
into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Heavy passage. Sci-fi-ish, if you will. That God created man and that there's going to be a judgment of man at a great white throne. In Bible college seminary, they call this the great white throne judgment. Duh. John sees a great white throne. God sitting on the throne. It's the final judgment. The outline for me goes this way. The presence of the one on the throne. We don't need to spend a lot of time there, even though you could. The presence of the one on the throne. Earth and sky fled from his presence. Psalm 139 in the middle asked the question, where can I go from God's presence? Go to the depths, he's there. Go to the heavens, he's there. Go in the darkness, darkness is as light to him. There's no hiding. And here, the idea is earth and sky flee from his presence. There is no escape. And the people judged before this great white throne, great and small, kings, paupers, princes, and the poor. And it's interesting, it says that the sea gave up the dead that were in them. I I can't help every time I read this passage, I hear Gordon Lightfoot. I hear it. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, I can't help it. And only 29, you say only 29, 29 people died on the Edmund Fitzgerald, but it's famous because of Gordon Lightfoot, and it's the most famous wreck on one of the Great Lakes, Lake Superior. And the great mystery of the Edmund Fitzgerald, after fighting 30-foot waves, 29 crew, including captain, there was no SOS, there was no distress call, all of a sudden, one minute they're there, next minute they're gone. It's a mystery. I wonder if any of those 29 people on the Edmund Fitzgerald had their names written in the book of life. Because that's the only way you'll escape this great white throne judgment. 1,517 people, a more famous disaster, the Titanic. Those that do not have their names written in the book of life will stand before this great white throne and be judged. Cain will be there. The record I read, Cain rejected the grace of God. Cain, the first murderer. Cain killed his brother Abel. He'll stand before this throne. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, another watery grave that will give up the dead. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, as the Red Sea buried them, they'll stand before this Great white throne. Balaam, a bunch of young guys who mocked the prophet Elisha. You read about it in 2 Kings 2.24. They said to Elisha, go on up, you bald head. Go on up, you bald head. Which tells us Elisha was bald. Be careful how you talk about bald people, especially men of God. Yeah. Because they mocked the prophet and God sends bears out of the woods and mauled them. They'll stand before this great white throne. The people of Jericho who rejected the grace of God. The rich man Jesus talked about in Luke 16 versus Lazarus the beggar. 
He'll stand before this throne. The rich young ruler, it appears, will stand before this throne because he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. He said, well, I've kept these since I was a boy. I'm a good man. I'm a good God. Jesus said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. You'll have great riches in heaven. He went away very sad because he was a man of great will. His God was his money. He'll stand before the throne. Pilate, who had every opportunity, including the warning through his wife, that God gave a dream to his wife. But because of the pressure of the crowd, instead of making the right decision to stand for Jesus, he tried to wash his hands and say, well, I'm not against him. Yeah, but you're not for him. If you're not against him, Jesus said, if you're not against me, or if you're not for me, you're against me. You can't plead the fifth. There's no middle ground here. Judas. Handpicked by Jesus, one of the twelve. But a devil from the beginning, and nobody knew it but God. He knows who are his. He knows. But now the people who will not stand before this throne. Think about this now. Think about the people that won't stand before this great white throne judgment. Moses. Wait a minute, Moses, wait a minute. You, You said Cain, he was the first murderer, but Moses also is a murderer. But he's not going to stand before this throne. Not before this judgment. King David. Oh, wait a minute. He's a murderer too. He was also a hypocrite for a period of time. He lied. He's an adulterer. But he won't stand before this great white throne. Neither will Samson. And you read the 20 years of hidden sin in his life and he hit the wall. But his final act recorded that he died in. And he killed more of the enemy in his death than he did in his life. And he's recorded for us in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fate. Samson's going to escape this great white throne judgment. Not because he deserves it, but he won't be there. Rahab the prostitute, Saul of Tarsus who persecuted Christians and had them not only thrown in jail, but murdered them as well. One you can't forget. Oh my goodness, there are two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. They're both in the beginning mocking him and then one begins to respond to the spirits moving in his heart and he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and he says, today, today you'll be with me. That thief won't stand before this great white throne. The sinful woman at the home of Simon the Pharisee wet Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And he turns to her. Sins are forgiven. The woman called adultery. One by one her accusers go away and then Jesus says, where are you accusers? Well, they're gone. Neither do I. Go leave your life of sin. You've been set free. The Samaritan woman at the well. How can you forget her? She doesn't come to the well when the crowd comes in the morning. No, she waits till high noon. Nobody's there at high noon. Why is she coming then? She's had five husbands. Now she's living with a guy. And you think in our culture, you know, maybe not that big of a deal. In that culture, she's an outcast. Everybody's talking about her behind her back. And some probably to her face. Jesus offers her the water of eternal life. 
And she receives it. You've had five husbands and the one you're with is not your husband. And instead of condemning her, he just offers her what she doesn't deserve. And then the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, we could spend a lot of time here. I did put one more name, a very important name down here. He won't be before this throne. He won't stand before the great white throne. I, I put it down right here. Danny Hodges. I can be there. I'm not going to stand before this throne. Well, my goodness, if, if, if some murderers are, are going to uh, be judged and thrown into the lake of fire and other murderers aren't, what in the world is that criteria for judgment? What is the criteria? Well, the books. Books. The passage is very clear. And books were open. Books, plural. And then another book was open. So you have the books here. Doesn't tell us what the books are. But the books here are open. And those that are going to be cast into the lake of fire are judged according to these books. But there's another book open. And it's the book of life. And by the books... The record. That's the criteria. What are these books? There are 66 right here. All made into one we call the Bible. Good thought. But then there's Jesus' words. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 12. If you're a note taker, Matthew chapter 12. Let me read you verses 36 and 37. Listen carefully. Jesus said, I tell you. On the day of judgment, that's where we're at, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Whoa, every careless word? And we're not talking about just the GD and the JC out of context and not glorifying to God. We're not talking about the foul mouth. Every careless word. Every word that's not edifying. If you're married, we're in trouble, man. (laughs) And then I think it's probably safe to say that among the books that are open, there's one back here in the Old Testament that includes Ten Commandments. They go like this. You shall have no other gods before me. Anybody, anything ever take priority over God? Guilty. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will hold, not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So Jesus said every careless word. That's not just the GD and the JC. But now you misuse the name of the Lord. Every GD, every JC. Wow. He's keeping record. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. Uh, You shall not commit adultery. Now, religious crowd, man, they they thought we were okay on this one. Until Jesus showed up. And then Jesus ruined it for for all of us. Because he said, he said, if you've ever thought in your heart, If you have ever looked at a woman and you've imagined, you're guilty of adultery. Ah, We're in trouble. You shall not steal. 
You shall not give false testimony. Every lie. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house, his servant, his ox, his donkey, his boat, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Paul, as prosecuting attorney for heaven, the book of Romans in the beginning, he lays out the accusation, the Gentile world, all the Jews are going, yeah, 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 heathens, you know. And then he deals in chapter two with the Jews. He said, you think you're better. You're just as bad. And then in chapter three, he just kind of sums it all up. You know this verse that he sums up. You know this verse if you've been in church for many years. It's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in trouble. If the criteria for judgment are these books. But there's another book open. That's what the text said, right? There's another book open. So you got these books, and, and this probably includes the Ten Commandments. It, it, it obviously includes every record of every careless word. And so, uh, big, 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 big books right here. And then another book. This is the book of life. What did it say? And another book was opened, which is the book of life. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I know you don't want to do it, but we got to do justice to the text. So we got to spend just a moment. Uh, you deal with the, the presence of the one on the throne, no escape. You deal with the people who stand before the throne and the people who won't stand before the throne. Those are going to be judged based on what they've done. And then those that escape because they're in the book of life. And these are going to be judged, the lake of fire. Come on. Is it really a lake of fire? I mean, it's just really warm, right? That's a big debate today. It's been a debate for years. Francis Chan wrote a book a while back, and since Francis Chan is a fairly well-known guy in the church, uh, let me read you what he and a guy named Preston Sprinkle write about this subject. Most evangelical Christians who believe that hell is a literal place and that its duration is forever do not interpret the fire image literally. Uh, Well-known figures such as John Calvin, Martin Luther, C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, D.A. Carson, J.I. Packer, Sinclair Ferguson, all understand the fire images non-literally. Non-literally. They go on to say, this is supported by several passages in which a literal fire would conflict with what the author says elsewhere. Jude, for example describes hell as an eternal fire, Jude verse 7. While six verses later, he calls hell the blackest darkness. Fire and the gnashing of teeth that Jesus talked about depict intense pain and suffering. Darkness can face separation from God. Worms that don't die probably emphasizes the shame of eternal death, if not its never-ending duration. And so some say, well, it's not a literal fire. I want to say to you, who cares? Did I wake anybody up? You're going to tell me that it's a imagery of a literal fire. It's a lake of fire. And Jesus said there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you think you're okay to go there? Really? The utter foolishness. The utter epitome of a fool that says, well, it's not going to be that rad. My friends are going to be there. You're damned. You're doomed. It's an awful place to go. 
And then the question is, after dealing with, is it literal? Is hell really fire? And is the lake of fire, is it really fire? It's damnation. And then the question is, is it forever? And I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. You, you would think that at some point, they paid their dues, you know? I mean, it's like, come on. Forever? And ever? While the literalness of hell and the lake of fire has been debated, and we have some pretty good opinions. But I say, who cares whether it's literal or not? It's awful. It's awful. But while that can be debated, whether it's literal or not, there's one thing that cannot be debated. Biblically. Is it forever? Matthew chapter 25, and the context of Matthew chapter 25 is the final judgment. And Jesus says when he sits on his throne and he separates people as sheep from goats. And the sheep are the ones who have their name written in the book of life and the goats are the ones who don't. And here's what he says in verse 46. Then they, they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. Why is this not debatable? Because if, if it's not eternal punishment, then we don't have eternal life. It's the same word. If we have eternal life, it's the same word used for eternal punishment. And as hard as it is for me to wrap my mind around it, that is what the word of God says. People want to emphasize the love of God, and I like to emphasize the love of God. One of the most famous passages on the love of God is found in 1 John. Chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. It says three words. This is what it says. God is love. But you've got to read the context. Let me read you the context. God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. He who is made perfect in love does not fear. When God appeared to Moses, the record goes like this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. The Bible tells us hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you know what the next verse is? You know what the next verse is? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, he forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code, the Ten Commandments. Question is, 
is your name in the book. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience, and thanks for tuning in today. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plans for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible, so as to not distract from the Word. That does incur some costs, however. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any amount is used for this ministry and is greatly appreciated. Thanks for praying about this. While you're at our website, you'll be able to listen to additional teachings from this series in Revelation, as well as learn more about the Living Word. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We pray God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His love and grace. Thanks for listening today to The Living Word.